0: Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. Whenever I get a guest on to talk about the magic and mystery of brewing, blending, time in barrel and wild ales, I'm always really excited. Why? Well, it's something that really intrigues me, something I don't know a lot about. And the amazing skills of the brewers who produce these beers, wow, it just blows my mind. There is just so much, though, that is left to the elements that can't completely be controlled, which I love even more, and that is the magic of these types of beers. Tonight, I'm talking with Josh Modane and Chelsea Mew from Black Arts Beer in Victoria. Black Arts Beer has been dealing in the mysterious art of Australian wild arts for the last few years and have been treating the Australian beer drinker to some flavourful delights that have been described as beverages that blur the lines between beer, wine and cider. I always learn so much from these episodes and I'm keen to get into it. So welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Josh and Chelsea. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for joining me tonight. It's uh, wonderful to have you on. I'm, as I said in the opener, I'm pretty excited about this stuff because there's so much I don't understand about it and I love it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Just uh, sipping on my beer tonight. <laughs> um I, I did say to the guys before we jumped on tonight that I had a, a new beer from Van Diemen uh, brewing, one of his uh, um, his Oaked XBA Deep Roots, and I just wanted to make sure that it was okay for me to be drinking it on the Black Arts podcast episode. So we've cleared that up. We're good to go with that one. <laughs> so uh, before we get into it, you guys have both got beers. Tell me what you're drinking quickly. We've both got the Bitter coupage,
2: the most recent one.
0: Nice, nice. And uh, any additions to that or is it just the the straight sort of, I'm going to say the normal beer, but is this a fruited version or?
2: No, this is just the standard.
0: The standard. We're calling it a standard beer, that doesn't do it um, enough justice, I don't think.
2: Yeah, it's a puzzle of a beer to put together.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. All right, I'm going to try something a little bit different tonight because I want to try and make sure we we include both of you in the interview. So let's start this off like we're at a corporate team building day. And you know when you first rock into those things, you pair up and you introduce each other and you have a bit of a chat and you get to know them for maybe five minutes and then they they flip it and they say, righto, you've got to introduce this new person to the group that you've just met. So let's do that where you can both introduce each other. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, you can go first then, Chelsea.
1: Um, Josh is our brewer, um, probably has a better palate than I do, definitely has a better palate than I do, um, is just, I don't know, what can I say? You're pretty damn good at what you do.
2: Passionate about it. Yeah,
1: very passionate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not about booze.
1: Yes, all things booze.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's good and bad, but, yeah, good. we'll take a good on this one. Passionate about booze. Is that what they're going to put on your tombstone when you, when you die? That uh,
2: yeah, lies yeah.
0: Josh. Passionate Definitely. about booze. <laughs> You'll go, Josh. Describe
2: Chelsea. Ah, uh, So Chelsea is everything that you see other than the beer is pretty much Chelsea. So marketing, photos, words, and pictures
0: of me. <laughs> um, I should have asked this off air, but. Uh, are you to a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs>
1: good. I really wasn't sure. <laughs> You're just missing something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at you. I can see you've got a wedding ring on, I, I think.
1: No. Yeah. 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 Sure, yeah. I like, oh, do, do I ask
0: it? Do I shy away from that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Really married, 12, we've been together 12 years, but yeah. only married two. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. How did you two meet? At a
1: pub. <laughs> yeah.
0: That is uh, great.
1: Yeah, Josh was managing a pub and I just went there after work with my mates most nights. That's basically it.
0: <laughs> yeah, classic pub meter. Yeah. Nice. So I'm going to say beer brought you together.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> Were you drinking beer then though?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but bad beer. Bad. <laughs> Two <Exactly.
0: laughs> he's extra dry or something like that. Like, or-
1: you know Melbourne bitter, CBD oh, yeah. stuff. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Josh looks disgusted. Yeah, he can't see on the screen, but he's he's not uh-huh. bloody happy. <laughs> what a, What about you, Josh? What's your earliest memory of of your no, not your relationship, your of your earliest memory of beer? Let's get to the important stuff, eh? Oh, what was it? I think probably the first one was like carbon Cold. Mm. <laughs> I don't even <know laughs> yes. This.
2: Yeah. What was that? Two 2000- thousand. 2000, 2001, yeah, something like okay. that. Kind of yeah. And then That's quickly, sad. yeah, moved on to Coopers. Coopers yeah. was.
0: Cooper's was uh, I remember down here as a youngster, around about 96, 98, somewhere like that, I'll be going to parties at college, and my two of my best mates, Ben and Lee, would split a uh, Han ice block back in those days. Now, Han ice back in those days in the dark blue Kansas was about a, a five percenter, which is similar to what Carlton Cole was. And I've got Memories of those two and they go, they go get their block. They'd split it in half. No, no ice or anything in with these beers, and they'd have two shopping bags and put fifteen cans into each shopping bag. And they'd walk around to the party with that the whole night. And if you remember those cold filtered beers, when they got warm, they were all bloody <laughs> froth, weren't they?
2: Yeah, so, not good.
0: Not a great introduction to yeah. beer. Um, I'm glad yours was bad too, but I'm glad you moved onto something half <laughs> decent like uh, Cooper's Pale. That's that's great. So, um. You, you drank shitty beer. Did you start brewing shitty beer too, like most of us that get into home brewing. Well, yeah, that was kind of the second. I started
2: making cider first.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, I tried playing around with cider and everything was like super dry and not that amazing. So then I progressed on the beer after that. And okay. everything was Pilsner's. So I was trying to make a Pilsner with homebrew and everyone knows that's so hard to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide, so it was also very terrible.
0: Yeah, it sounds like most of us that uh, start off in home brewing that uh, made shit beer. Uh, Chelsea, were you a home brewer by any chance? No, I just enjoyed drinking it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and put up with having all the filth around.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's
1: one point where we lived in an apartment, a small apartment in Footscray, and there was literally a whole like, what was it? it was a brew house?
2: It was, it was the grandfather just like sitting in the oh, shower. Yeah time because there was the vent <laughs> in the shower so the grandfather lived uh, in the bathroom.
0: yeah <laughs> in, a, in a city living brewing that's yep. great yeah <laughs> you're a, you are a very patient woman chelsea <laughs> <laughs> <Very> patient. <laughs> I, I, mine is out in the shed uh there's no way that my wife would let me bring my uh my brown master into the house that's just not <laughs> ever gonna happen <laughs> i don't think <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, just a couple of things you can do if you want to help spread this craft beer gospel. First up, Apple Podcasts. If you've got it on your phone, find the Beer Healer interviews, scroll all the way down to the bottom, rate, review, subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help me out. Other than that, whatever podcast player you listen to this on, follow me or subscribe to me on that one. And then also, find me on Instagram and follow me there. Thanks for your help. So... Um, was There there was a love of, of brewing, whether it be cider or, or the beer, pretty early on for you. Um, was there a stage before you went to the fox in the corn where I, I believe a lot of your, your experimentation and your discovery of the, the sorts of beers that you make now sort of started to happen, was there a period in between home brewing and that job that sort of sparked a bit of interest for you?
2: Uh, I don't – we were talking about it before of where it actually happened, but there's a little like – beer store and wine store down here in Williamstown and they have amazing stuff that's like hidden because it's it's this little like hole in the wall and I went in there like they used to have Cantillon Drifontaine before I'd ever seen anywhere else and it'd sit there for so long and I went in one time and the owner was like you've got to try this and it was McKellar Hughes their Hungarian oak age like Spontan. hi yeah and it was amazing, like blew my mind. So then I had to go back and drink all the other ones that he recommended in the same sort of vein. And then I think somewhere around then, Fox, we opened Fox, and as part of that I, um, yeah, wanted to put on this huge offering of these new beers that I discovered.
0: And what was the reaction early on to those beers? Because, like, I know I've, I've taken a long time personally to not only just appreciate these types of beers, but also enjoy them because I've never been a wine drinker. I always sort of feel that there's a bit of a whiny kind of uh, element to these. So it took me a really long time to do that. Did you find that with these new customers, whether that they took a little while to cotton on to what was going on with them? Not really. Like everyone, Most of the people we
2: were getting to drink the beers were not people that drink beer. So their conception oh. was CUB, and then we're like, no, don't worry about that. It doesn't taste like that, but just try this. and uh-huh. Yeah. like So we had a nice arrangement of taps of which we always had a kettle sour. We always had a barrel-aged shower. We always had a fruited sour on tap at all times. So we can kind of show the full spectrum of what the world of sour yeah. and spunky was.
0: Yeah, beautiful. That's awesome. Uh, Chelsea, at this time, did you start to sort of fall in love with the old idea of the the wild ales and that sort of thing?
1: Um, I was pretty – I think when you started falling in love with it, you obviously shared that with me. Chelsea drinks everything I drink. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) we split it all. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, And I liked it from the beginning. It was not like anything I'd ever really drunk before. So I found it very intriguing.
0: Was that because you'd sort of, you know, had West Coast Cooler or uh yeah. vodka Russian, what are they, Ruskies <laughs> or something like that in your life prior to that? Or? Well, so you didn't know about Ruskies. I was talking to uh, her about the other day and she's like, no, no. Yeah, were-
1: we were we I don't know why, but we went straight for the goon. When I was young, we didn't <laughs> yeah. I
0: do Did you Rusky ever play Goon of a little Fortune? Little <laughs> what was the wheel of Goon of Fortune? <laughs> did you ever oh, play Goon think. of Fortune where you where you put it onto the um the rotary clothes, the hill That's it, and he's yeah. spinning it around, and where it lands, that's where you got a skull.
1: Yeah. Oh God. That, Classic. That's bad memories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. You you saw the light eventually. Yeah. Um. I, well, something I always talk about when I speak with those of you that sort of play in this space is the whole idea around. I, I love the fact that sour ales, wild ales, thing has been my wife's entrance into beer. Mm-hmm. Like she's always been, um, wine, champagne. Sort of lover, um, bit of gin and that sort of thing, but just always hated beer. And then we went to um, is the Trillium uh, brew house which uh, Fort Point in Boston. And that night there, there was there was no wine being served. I'm like, oh fuck, what am I <laughs> going to do? Because we got the kids and everything there, and us. And I was like, well, we just kept to suck it up, bub. You have to suck it up. She goes, go and find me something I think I can drink. And I'd, I found a beer that had been aged in Chardonnay casks. And it was like fantastic, and all of a sudden, her eyes opened up to or her world opened up to to beer. And now, now she loves drinking all the all the ones that I try. Where I'm, you know, getting these fruited sours and stuff. Have you have you seen similar stuff? You know, with your either your beer journey, Chelsea, or or with friends who have started to, you know, really open up to beer yeah. through what you're doing.
1: Oh, I think the biggest we saw it was at Fox in the Corn, where a lot of people coming in, and yeah. you know, they were predominantly women who maybe hadn't had the best experience with beer in the past and had yeah. kind of just put it down to, I don't like beer. Yeah. And then Josh has a very good knack at asking someone, what do you like, you know, outside of the beer world. And then he can, he can find something that they will like. It's yeah. pretty incredible.
2: It was it was like really fun. And in the end, the staff were amazing as well. Like everyone that worked for us would be, like knew the whole list, and there was like 450 bottle beers, and then eight taps, and we had a wow. good spectrum of like all sorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people would like we. I used to have like 32 year old couples come in, and they'd come in after dinner, and they're like, "I just want to sit on the beer and have a chat." And so, like, you pull out the ABT quad, ABT 12, and they just like I poured it in big open. Um, champagne glasses, and we just like, just sip at this like a whiskey. And I saw them. I think every night of the next week, they came back, and they were bringing friends to try other beers. And, and yeah, they
0: ended ended up naming their first born child after <laughs> you. Yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> How long were you at the the Fox in the Corn? Oh, when was that? Maybe, I think we had it for two years.
2: Yep. And then so was that your business or you just were working for something? Yeah, yeah. So we, had, I had a pasta factory and then that was a showcase <laughs> of our pasta. Okay. And
0: I, had, I was like, like oh, right. That didn't turn up in any of my <laughs> bloody research, a pasta <laughs> factory? Yeah. What the hell? Where did that come from? Tell us about that. Where did that come from? I don't know. It's just, well,
2: I've always worked hospitality and yeah. one day I was working, like got a job at a pasta factory and met another guy called Josh and we started a pasta factory together. and did that for six
0: years? Mm. Oh, cool.
2: Maybe Did you seven? have like
0: Italian heritage or anything like that that you were no, man, I'm, back I'm onto? white
2: ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, how did your time at Fox and the Corn restaurant prepare you for what was to come with black arts?
2: I kind of saw it as just drinking as many beers as I could, as well as using it as like almost a research base. So like these barrel-aged shower beers and kettle sours are really approachable to anyone that doesn't like IPA. So our target audience wasn't really uh, like blokey drinker. It was more someone that doesn't know what they like and mainly women. And we used to have so many people coming through and it ended up that the the wives were bringing their husbands in. The husbands are quite happy to come in because they can drink good beer. And yep. yeah, the wives would be trying whatever tickled their fancy, and we also had a policy that if I recommend a beer out of the bottle list and you don't like it, then you don't pay for it.
0: That's cool. I love that. So, I love that. Yeah. Hey, how how crazy that you had these women coming in and drinking beer and enjoying good beer, and it wasn't all served in a pink bottle. Who'd have yeah. Thought yeah. it? Who <laughs> the fuck <laughs> thought it? That That's like good beer. Wow. Yeah.
2: I, I don't know when I discovered that beer is a diverse like offering in alcohol. Like, I can get you a beer that tastes like whiskey or one that tastes like cider or one that tastes like white wine or red wine, or I can get you one that tastes like CUB. So it's <laughs> such a big spectrum that wherever you sit on what you like, like if you like a uh, margarita, then I can find you a beer that will taste. Pretty damn close to a margarita, but it's a beer. I can also make you a beer that <laughs> is like 51% beer, 49% wine, and it's still classified as a beer. But if you make a wine that's 51% wine, 49% beer, that ain't being called a wine.
0: Nah, nah. Fair enough. So then came along Black Arts and Beer de Copage. Am I pronouncing it right? That's what <laughs> it was all about, wasn't it? I had to look that up today. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was just the name it, of your beer. I didn't it, realize it was like a term.
1: So yeah, I tell we us about, about we term. realized it's not the easiest thing to to say, and we ourselves don't even call it that. We just call it a BDC. We're so shorthanded. So we've decided we're going to rename it. It's it's happening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So beer de capage is basically the art of blending. Pretty much is that that's how it's described. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it's like, it's like beer of oak.
0: Beer of oak.
2: Beer of Oak, Coupage.
0: Could you so, just call it Beer of Oak for us then? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <that's> <laughs>
2: <it>. <laughs> we made it and we're like, what are we going to call it? And most of our, all our other beers had the like technical name of what they actually are. Yeah. And so that's where this one came about. But it is so confusing to everyone except for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, bugger everybody else. Keep it. I don't care. <laughs> um, so tell us about how how did things go from the restaurant to starting Black Arts? What, what sort of happened there? Um, so I used to
2: have such a big range of beers there that I'd see so many brewers and so many, like, reps coming through. And one day, um, Grum came through the door. I think he was selling like IPA, double IPA number three.
1: <laughs>
2: and he was telling me that he's moving from this little area that he had bonded to make like one fifty litre keg at a time in with Kaiju. So they were setting up their new brew house together. Yep. And I just changed the license on Fox. So I knew most of the licensing laws. And I was like, so what are you uh, going to do with that bonded state like space? Once you move out, and Grum's like, "Oh, we'll just probably let it lapse." So I was like, "Okay, so how about if I pay rent and we, um, yeah, cover all the costs related to that site? Can you keep it in the exit name, and we'll fill it full of barrels and beer?"
0: Oh, while well, you sort of like starting things up, you could. That was like you did the precursor. Yeah, that was the precursor. So we, oh, like, you clever little bastard.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he came in and was super excited about what he was doing. And that kind of lit a little like light thought light bulb in the head. And I was like, sweet, this is interesting. And it all worked out. And we brewed just cool. under 8,000 liters. And literally it was like, um, you open the door and there was a barrel right behind the door. <laughs> so it was, there's a photo. I think our first photo of. Black Arts is just me in amongst all the barrels because it's just so tightly <laughs> packed into this one room. <laughs> I love but it. But Roman Frey's really loved this style of beer as well. So for them, they were like, sweet.
0: Yeah, nice. So where are we actually brewing that beer? at? Uh, we,
2: we did uh, two batches out of Public and yep. one batch out of Napoleon.
0: Okay. And then just whacked it into barrels and then? Uh, yeah,
2: whacked into IBC and oh, a couple okay, of bottles. Yep. I think they maybe they went direct in a barrel and then put them on a truck and moved them down there and offloaded them.
0: Yeah, cool. And then just sort of while that was aging, if you like, doing its magic stuff, you yep. were busy sort of trying to work out how the hell am I going to pull this proper company together? Is that sort of how it worked? <laughs> it was kind of a year of we forgot about them oh.
2: and ran Fox, and that was probably when Fox was in its biggest growth. And then, um, yeah, kind of had to figure out what to do next.
0: Because Um, I was just going to interrupt. I was just going to say, like, you know, that we always talk about with beer, fresh is best, but in the world that you play in, that's not always the case because what's going on with those beers in those barrels is effectively, I'll explain it for me, stuff's breaking down, taking on flavours from elsewhere. So the fresh is best mantra is applied to maybe sort of hop, fresh beers, that sort of thing, but in your world, doesn't remain the same does it
2: no no nah. once i put hops into them so like bit of then it relates Yep. but um yeah it doesn't relate in the base beer itself well it doesn't okay. it doesn't it's like if you drink um tofa's beers of yep. like of a wildflower is like young fresh brett beers are delicious and they present that particular flavor profile whereas all of the belgium style beers that you're drinking from over there, those ones are a lot longer aged. Yeah, okay. So that's kind of where I drew inspiration from. And so we wanted to long age and really get that Brett development over time.
0: Yeah, okay. So good decision then to just leave him in barrel then for at least a year (laughs) while you're sorting out the rest of the stuff.
2: Yeah, and then we ended up getting this space, but it even took like a year and a half to try and license. Jeez. The licensing process is so long.
0: It, I, anytime I talk to any of you guys that are getting new stuff up and running, it's either development application delays or licensing delays. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all in one,
2: like, mm, so I'll say it again, maybe it's two linear lines. Like you have to go to council and the VCGLR and then from there it moves on to, like, the next phase of ATO and it all kind of has to go linear. You can't do it all parallel. Uh. So. What a pain the right? in the ass. Yeah. You're yeah. Just waiting for one thing to finish to apply for the next one.
0: Yeah, okay. So was this journey ever going to be about anything other than wild ales and, and barrel aging? Did you maybe at some stage when maybe things were getting a little bit tough with the councils and things like that where you thought, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to make a stock standard brewery and start pumping out pale ales? Not really. It wasn't in my mind at any of those times because
2: I never – really wanted or had the capital to set up a brew house.
0: Right. Yep.
2: And so you need the liquor license and you need all the paperwork that I'm waiting for to be able to do that. And contracting never really tickled my fancy. Like you're spent, you're paying so much money for someone else to brew the beer for you. Yeah. Um, particularly like pale ales. So like I, I, I was happy to contract um, public to do our base work because then there's so much evolution in oak and all the different yeast cultures that are in there. And then I'm taking it and blending it together that the brewing component of a wild ale is quite a small part. I think I did the math. It's like 2% of the total beer is actually the brew day.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: Whereas a pale ale IPA and like lagers, it's heavy on brew day and fermentation.
0: Yep. That's all all the magic. Hey Chelsea, um I was reading today that your website says that you were willingly forced into wild owls. Can you elaborate on what that means?
1: <laughs> um well I guess Josh started this business and <coughs> it wasn't really like we didn't start it together. So to yeah, yeah. it was it was more Josh started as it was his passion project and I guess like my, it got a bit big. Yeah, it got a bit big. Uh, <laughs> like
2: right. There was
1: one point where he was—he had an illustrator working on the um, the labels, and they'd come back and they just weren't what he had envisioned. Oh. And I was like, okay, let me just like my background is in marketing, and I yep. am a, a, on the tools, so I'm doing graphic design, I'm taking photos, I'm writing content, and so I was like, here, let me just sit down and try and produce something that I. I, I think I'm good at seeing what his vision is and then replicating that into like a digital format.
2: I talk a lot about <laughs> my ideas and Chelsea. <laughs> <and Beth Moore.
1: laughs> um, so, yeah, basically the illustrations came back and they weren't what he had seen. And so that's kind of where it started is that I did one, our first label design and it kind of just evolved from there. I, I guess then I did the website and then started yep. doing our... Social media strategy and content, and yeah, so willingly oh, I'm, I'm really forced into it because no, it I'm
0: hearing that, and I'm just thinking that you wanted to be involved all along. And you just saw a great design, <laughs> I was like, nah, fuck it, this is my way to get in. Yeah. I'm gonna say it's shit. So you take my artwork to the first game. Yeah, yeah. come on, let's but be honest point. Here. you. really just want to spend more time together all day, every yeah. day.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that happens anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> but, yeah, but was what, two years after our first release? Like it was mainly the gold and the reds that we had out for a while. Two golds and two reds and then Beardecoupage. But, yeah, yeah, Beardecoupage is a lot easier for people to process. Like a big bottle that's expensive and people don't know what that style is. It's a big commitment to make from someone they've never heard of.
1: Yeah, the Beardecoupage is almost our, like it's for the people that don't Drink beer or don't really understand what a wild ale is. Like wild ale is at the top of the shelf, you know. It's a little bit pricier than just grabbing a can. So we wanted a product that could kind of help people into the the sour beer wild
0: ale world.
2: Yeah, bridge the gap between like a yeah. Berliner and a wild ale.
0: When I first saw of it um, on, on the website, I, I don't know why, but immediately I thought it was a table beer. I don't know why because in my head I was thinking, is this their entry-level beer? Is that going to be a table beer? And I looked into it more. I was like, oh, no, it's not, it's not. But you actually did brew a table beer as well, didn't you?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a table beer on the cards, but we're just kind of holding off at the moment. COVID slowed us down in the last few months, annoyingly. <laughs> well,
1: not <three> months. <laughs> last yeah.
2: year and a bit, yeah. No. <laughs> we've, been, we've been waiting for just a little <laughs> brew house to come in. Yep. Um, But yeah, it's been delayed a couple of months. So table beer will be when that gets here. We'll
0: Uh, release. Ah, right. Because so what you've got right now is is a barrel room, right? Yeah. So you you don't have that little room that you got from Grum anymore. You've now got your own barrel room, and so you've got a spot there that you can put a small small brew kit into.
2: Yeah, we've got two hundred square here, so it's not small.
0: Living the dream. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it's like there's enough space to fit a fair few barrels and there's what 72 full barrels here at the moment okay and we're probably like a third full um and we're only getting a small little system that'll be able to produce maybe 600 liters in a day
0: oh that's still that's still pretty good isn't it yeah. like yeah, for your, it's, your limited hard run hard. stuff and that-
2: so it's only 300 so it's a double double batch double. will get me six
0: what uh what sort of system
2: is that uh, I went with Brutals. It's like little – they're like big versions of um, just the Grandfather. Okay, yeah, cool. But yeah, they're 200-litre yeah. with a knockout of like 150.
0: Oh, that'll be awesome. So they'll just give you that little bit of extra flexibility to, you know, keep this thing rolling not have to outsource all the time to get that base yeah. beer. Yeah,
1: it's going to be a lot easier once we have yeah. that because then we can produce, I guess, like not more but like more varied styles. In yeah.
2: So it's like the beers that we're making are blends, like lots of them are blends of old beer and young beer. Yep. And the stuff that we're really liking drinking these days are like the beer de coupage. So that is a light saison blended with the old saison. Oh, nice. So if you look at the can, it's 4.5 ABV. So if I'm blending the same saison that I'm putting in oak, then it'll be a 5.5. So I've actually got a brew... Uh, like a lower ABV to blend with the higher ABV to hit that 4.5.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So what What are you – okay, you got the old and the new Saison. Um, question without notice. <laughs> what are you getting from both of those beers that then makes this combination so awesome? What are you looking for in both those two beers? So in the old beer, I'm looking for like oak
2: acidity and just a nice like bit of tropical front yep. going on. And then from the young beer, you're getting all of that freshness that people are used to in a beer. Yep. Um, And then I'm also dry hopping the bejesus out of that with (laughs) um, Citra. So you're getting that like IPA kind of link. But Ah. it sits in can for usually around two to three months before it's released. So in that process, it actually ends up being not so much heavy Citra and more of this, like tropical pine.
0: Oh wow, that's that's, that's the first time anybody sort of explained that to me. Because for me, <laughs> blending beers is always is that part of that magic, that art that which to me really is art, which is something I'm completely fucking useless at because I don't have the greatest palate. But to me, that's that is almost the talent of everything here is knowing what to blend with what. I could listen to you talk about that sort of stuff for ages. It's just such a mystery to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is this is a, a fun fun beer that. I kind of remember where we came. I think because all of our beer is so old and it kind of only hits the very pointy path of the beer nerds. Yep. So yep. beer coupage allows us to produce more beer than what we have sitting in oak while still appealing to the beer nerds but yep. kind of giving you something that's a little bit more sessionable IPA and delicious.
0: So um, did you develop this idea like from like a business plan perspective where if I don't do this, I think I'm not going to appeal to enough people and therefore this might not be a long-term business. Was it sort of that element or was it more born out of I really want to make this style of beer? More out of a
2: brewer looking at like we only had 4,000 litres of beer and I'm like, whoa,
0: <laughs> that's <laughs>
2: run out quick.
0: Okay.
2: Um, so so same, I, same I, but different. Yeah, same, same but different. So I, I've got a little grandfather here and I – brew on that all the time. And that's what I used to play around with. So I brewed a saison, and then pulled some stuff out of barrel and blended it together. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of what I'm thinking, but it's not really. And then dry hopped it. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is the bowl. Cool. Um, and we put that on tap somewhere. Yeah, Pulled it together and it was like really amazing. And I loved it. And then where we had it on tap, people loved it. So We pursued that a bit more, and then that's why we had to kind of put a name to it.
0: Yeah, okay. Yep. So just are you getting involved in this side of the business, as in like you've obviously developed a fairly decent palette over these last 12 years to understand what he likes out of beers and what you like. Are you involved in that quality control element where he's blended this one? He's like, hey, hey, sweetheart, darling.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he shoves beers at me at like eleven yeah. o'clock in the morning. I'm like oh, oh. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> She's
2: not she hasn't developed the, the brewer the brewer skills yet. But that just takes time of like drinking at 9 a.m. in the morning to see the <laughs> that.
1: Day. Um but yeah, I'm involved in the blending and tasting of all of our barrels. Um, Josh says that it's good to have me taste it because I have a different palette to him Yeah. and maybe someone who d- doesn't, I don't necessarily taste all the things that he can, he tastes and I can't yeah. al- always put a word to all the flavors that I'm getting. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like nice balance between both of our palates.
2: Yeah. Palettes. It's, a, it's like a punter's palette. Like yeah. this beer is going out to people that don't Good. know sour beer and I just kind of want a straight feedback.
0: That's good. Because what's what's that thing they call it when you're like the brewer and you you get a sameness about the palate and the used to tasting it? Is it, there's a there's a saying? It's, is it like cellar mm-hmm. palate or something like that? Where you Ooh. don't know. So it? It's like it's almost like your palate gets comfortable with what you're tasting, and you don't always pick up on th- when things might have changed in it. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, you I do. Be making it up, I, but I think there's something. I think there actually is something. <laughs> there, definitely, you can you can taste things
2: that other people can't. So, like, I'm really sensitive to sulphur, so I can pick oh, yeah. that up in any beers. But yeah, some of the other things like DMS, I can't pick up DMS at all. But apparently, people that know like a really, really good with DMS and not regular sulphur. Okay. So, one or the other.
0: There you go. I like, I like the fact that you bring Chelsea in, as you say, as, as the punter's palate because that would be me, basically. I'm, I'm the person who doesn't have the greatest palate, but I know what I like and I, yeah. I can taste certain flavours that I, I just can't describe them. So I, I yeah. like the fact that you're bringing it in because I think that's going to help appeal to maybe a broader range of people too. Yeah. Okay, you got the beer de coupage. What would you refer to as your uh, core range?
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> is there a dirty word in what you do? Oh, I mean, no,
1: not at all. We actually talk about our core range all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, trying to, trying to establish a core range and what will appeal to like punters is harder than what I want to put out. Yep. So we know that we need diversity and we know that we need um, like different price points as well as different package sizes and cans and bottles. So... We did release our gold and our red, number three, in can as well as bottle. Um, and the market really hasn't taken it as I thought they would. So those things are going back into bottle. So what what were you expecting and what happened? So we, we used – our number one, number two, we're in 750ml Cork & Cage. Yep. Um, and that's for our old blended beers, so we're taking like four or five barrels and blending the gold together to create the flavor of the gold. Um, and it was in these corking cage like 750, 750 mil. mils. Yep. And they had beautiful labels, look like wine. Yep. And then um, for number three, I did a few bottles and then put most of it, probably 80%, 70% into canned.
0: Just standard um, size cans or big ones? Uh, 330 mil. 330s, yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: And the, the idea of that was to, again, open up the market and allow people who maybe wouldn't reach for a bottle, top shelf bottle. bottle, yeah. Um, but, yeah. It, and what, just-
0: it just didn't take off in the cans.
2: Not really. People, like, I don't know whether it got oh. lost in the fridges or it also, it, like it brought the price point down and it put it at eye level. Normally, yep. the big bottles are sitting quite low or quite high on the shelves. Yeah. Um. So putting a can gets it to more that center eye point. But yeah, I don't know whether potentially it could have been that we we're a three thirty ml can. If like everything exciting is in a four forty or a five hundred, yeah, all the yeah. double IPAs and all the hazy boys are in those ones. So everyone's yeah. like, well.
0: But are, uh, are those of us that love? the pointy end of the craft beer market, just so much up our own asses, such wankers that we won't buy a beer in a can. We want to have it in that big bottle so someone will look at us, look at me, look at me type of stuff. <laughs> we we <laughs> got a of about that.
1: I think that our customers love to share our beers. Okay, yep. Mates. Yeah, and they don't um, want yeah.
2: to age in can.
1: Yeah, and they love aging them. And so bottle is just so much, well, I mean, the, the perception is that bottle is better.
0: Romantic too? Do you think in a bottle yeah, like that absolutely. sort of? It's the, you know, you talk about uh uh what is it when you like you pour a beer a certain way? It's like all about the the process. Or there's a the real romantic element to how this beer is poured if it's coming out of a bottle. Like you know, oh god, yep. I can't, it used to be like the nine step pour for Stella artois. I, I, the, I forget the word. I, I've lost <laughs> words. But the process you go through to create that atmosphere, a little bit of theatre about it. Do you think that's what the bottle? Brings for sure. you with these beers, yeah. perhaps?
2: Well, that's what the cork and cage was about. Yeah. Putting that full show and, like, panache to the whole yeah. serving of the beer. But, but yeah, but
1: really, at the moment, we've been testing a lot of different approaches because, you know, we're still a very new brand. And yeah, we haven't so had that many
2: products at all. Yeah,
1: we haven't had a lot of products. So we're really, and that's why we like opening so much, which we haven't been able to do for so long. Um, but we actually get to like talk to people and ask them what they like, which is really helpful.
2: Yeah. But, and that's where the table beer has been.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's been- right.
2: Yeah. So there's, I think I've done, uh, 15 iterations of the table beer.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think on the cellar door, we've probably had my three favorites and now I'm like, yeah, this is where I want my table beer to sit. Yep. So, I've got the recipe, but to contract it, um, there's like semi no point.
1: Yeah. 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 But as well for core, core range, we have our golden and our red, which are both 100% mature aged, wild. Yep. Um, and then we've got our beer de capage. And we've also got our fruited beer de capage, which is a raspberry yep. and cherry, which is delicious. Isn't yep. there a nectarine one too or something? That kind special. In- yeah. That was,
2: yeah, it was in a can, and that was, (laughs) uh, yeah, that was a special, but also semi confusing.
0: Why? Why is it confusing?
2: Because it was in a can, and yet it was like a heavily fruited, like two year old beer, but it didn't really Uh. get perceived that way in that can.
0: What did people just sort of think it was like a? You know, like you, a lot you see a lot of. Is it the peach and salt sour that you see a lot of? did people sort of like put it in that kind of category? Maybe a kettle sour with some fruit chucked mm-hmm. in it. Not realised. Uh, yeah,
2: it's hard to yeah. think what people are perceiving it when they're seeing it on shelf, but it was pricey as well. So okay. people would probably see that and be like, mm, no. But it was a blended beer from three different barrels, and then. From memory, it was like 400 grams of nectarines per liter, and then it sat on fruit for six or seven months. Hmm. So it was a, it was a long, long process and a lot of fruit.
0: Can I ask? Did you tell that story on the label at all? Oh gosh, can't remember. It was it was, a,
2: it was probably released like it was probably a release like year and a half yeah.
0: ago. I'm looking at you, Chelsea. This is your department. I want to <laughs> see that on the label because to me, hearing that. I, okay, it's been so long in barrel. It's been so long on fruit. To me, I'm calculating. Okay, there's almost twelve months worth of time or whatever it is in that. Maybe I'd be willing to pay that a bit more. And if mm-hmm. if there was an element on that on that can that told a beautiful story um, about how this all came about, what you did, and how it co- maybe me as a consumer, I mean, I, I would I would be roped into that one. I think, Maybe yeah. willing to pay a little bit more. So, Josh, I think it was Chelsea's fault. Yeah. Well, she put it on the
2: back instead of the front.
0: Because <laughs> I, I feel like that whole storytelling element in what you, yeah. you guys do is so important. I was having this chat with uh, with Marzan Hajar this week about uh, he's, he's getting involved in storytelling in what he does. And, like, what he does is nowhere near as romantic as, you know, the magic that comes from what you do. And being a, a storyteller in, in my real job and being pretty passionate about it in this world too, I just feel like, you know there's so so much room to really ramp up the storytelling in beer beer labels and things. Totally. Yeah,
1: we,
2: that's kind of yeah, I'll, I'll set for next year, 2022. <laughs> we that's
1: recently cool. we well not recently, earlier in the year we actually released like um, an apricot and a plum in bottles. And there was a nice story to it because we had gone to a mate's house who had some like a lot of fruit on their trees and picked them And there was a nice story to that, and I think, and that's sold really well. And I think that you're right; like the story does does help with kind of painting the picture and people kind of wanting to taste it.
0: So next year, when I come back to your website, I want to search chock full (laughs) stories about your beers. No excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe even some video on Instagram about it all. Yeah,
1: we're definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we. I think honestly, we've been. We I've been in a bit of a rut with like creating content. And I think a lot of people can probably relate with that because of, you know, the last yeah. few years. Not a yeah. lot has happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We're definitely wanting to get back into creating more content, having a bit more fun with it and, yeah, publishing a bit more.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to get to that headspace to want to put all that effort in when you're staring at the same four walls every day. Yeah. Yeah. Same, yeah. The same yeah. two people. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: well, we're not here all the time. like. This is this is a side project. Still, we have day jobs.
0: Yeah. So, oh, I do didn't because I th- I assumed Chelsea you did because I've seen you like an agency or whatever. for What you did, but Josh, I didn't know you had another job. I thought this was it for you.
1: No, no,
2: I brew. I've I've done years of canning and brewing. Ah. And
0: yeah. Oh, so the other it, night it, when it, you Molly said to Robinson. me, yeah, I was just going to say you mentioned something about going to. Or being at Molly Rose, and I—I I just let them go through the keeper. I just assumed you were going over to have a beer with a mate over at Molly Rose. No, no. <laughs> oh wow, you do lead busy lives, don't you? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting more and more chaotic. No doubt. Wait till you chuck a kid in the mix. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're building a
2: house at the moment, so that's kind I, of like oh. gluttons <laughs> punishment. By the sounds of it, uh, we're not—we're not personally building, it, so it's all good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh,
2: that's okay. That's okay.
0: <laughs> so out of all all the beers you brewed so far what has been your greatest success do you think personally with with one beer
2: one beer oh there's i think my favorite so far that i've brewed is our uh, um gin the lavender gin yeah
1: that
2: was like sensational but i went back and revisited a few older ones and the west coast that i also brewed okay. was bloody good okay. west coast, both of them will have to make appearances again
1: yeah but then- and they were both they were both for our Coven members, so yeah. not a lot All of people have been able to taste those. Yeah.
0: Ah, let's let's talk about that because that <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um, I was I actually put down here. Is it almost time to start recruiting for your 2022 uh, Coven membership? Yeah. Perhaps. A a it is. So I'm
1: going to add. To that.
0: We'll leave a link on the on the podcast show notes to, to get involved in that because I I did check back through your social media. I think it was maybe October or November. I think you were starting to sign people yeah. up for that. Well, so it was a <laughs> You are welcome. <laughs> it's I like I like that idea with uh, people such as yourselves because uh, we we're talking about Will from Van Damme. He's got his Paddock Club, which I'm a member of. Which is it's magnificent when you get your these strange experimental wild owls that no one else has got. Um, So far with Will, I haven't had a bad one, and I'm sure yours would be exactly the same, that they're just all these top quality things. But for that pointy end of the market, I I love the fact that you're really treating these people to something, you know, once a quarter or wherever it is that no one else can get. And it's just so great for their Instagram accounts too because they can brag about it. No (laughs) one else has got it. How many people in your Coven membership?
2: I think we've been 50 and 50. Yep. Last yeah. few years, but that's great. Like, I, the beers that you guys are seeing out in the greater world for us, that was like what four, four months ago. And then it finally makes it to you guys. So we're already like on to the next beer and the beer in front of that. Like, we're drinking and thinking about a few beers ahead. Yep. So being able to produce just a small little batch is really amazing because. I have ideas and Chelsea has ideas and then we can execute it and we execute it in like a little one-liter batch and if it tastes good, then we make a bigger batch and put it out to the coven and then we kind of get feedback from those guys on what they like and what they don't like and then it helps us evolve on some of our blends.
0: Oh, so you're using them as like a first-stop like peer review sort of thing, are you? Kind of. Yeah, somewhat. Nice.
1: It's supposed to be super experimental and like it gives us the chance to create beers that went yeah, that we want to test and they're also gonna be
2: some of them are pretty costly if you were to make them.
1: But that's the fun thing about it is you get the chance to just do anything and go wild and go big because people are really wanting that. It's cool.
2: Yeah. Like when you're making wild sour beer that's long aged, then you might as well make whatever the hell you want.
0: I'm I'm with you on that one. So <laughs> it was the um the one you put in the Carwin Magnificent Seven, which I think was coffee and blueberry from memory. Yep. had that come out of the coven and then into the to the Carwin Magnificent Seven. Then maybe it will appear on the shelf one day as a regular.
2: Uh, it came out. So I've got to brew a dark and then convert a red that I have in barrel. So most of the age is coming from the red. And then I'm doing like a mini mash and taking all of the dark components, blending it in with a red, letting it sit for three to four months to then homogenize. And then that's my dark sour base. And then that's what I use to put blue green coffee on. And then from there, I split a small batch off into another fermenter and made the coven beer because there was a coven beer that was the base Magnificent Seven. Yep. And so Magnificent Seven had 200 grams of blueberries and then seven grams of an oak aged, like a uh, honey fermented coffee. Okay. And it was aged in bourbon barrels. The actual coffee bean was, and that one uh, was, yeah, that was kind of the base of that one. And then when I diverted it off, I added another 200 grams of raspberry and 200 grams of cherry. So that Ooh. the coven beer ended up having like six hundred grams per liter of fruit. Wow. Shit! Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty potent. It actually like added so much ABV, and then all the extra sugars took so much longer than I wanted it to to ferment out. So mm-hmm. the coven members ended up getting their beers like three weeks behind schedule.
0: Ah, uh, right, right. Um, some of these ideas are pretty freaking crazy. To be honest with you, where, where where's your inspiration coming from? Drinking, <laughs> drinking and
2: food. Like we spend, a, we love watching and talking to people about food and talking to chefs and, yep. like, yeah. I, I, my background's hospitality, so yep. I know a lot of lot of people and a lot of chefs in that sort of realm. And so talking to them about different flavor, flavor combos ah, and
0: gotcha. like,
2: yeah, like well, my favorite one was the gin one, and so that is a two-year-old golden that then I put on all the base gin botanicals for three months and then I pulled it off the gin botanicals after it presented all the right flavors. So at that point, it kind of was a golden that tasted like someone had put some gin components in there. Yep. So it was juniper angelica and lemon peel. And then from there, I put it into another fermenter that had lavender and pink grapefruit. And let those two meld into it. So I think that was like another three weeks and then took it out and packaged it. So that's what made the gin, lavender, grapefruit.
1: But Josh is also a very good cook. So I think like the combinations come very naturally to him, whereas they don't come so naturally to me. But I I think, yeah, getting like inspiration from food is like a big one, I think.
0: Yeah. I feel like if you were a chef you'd have a Michelin star for those kinds of combinations. Like that, <laughs> that's, to me, like I don't think I'm a pretty good cook too but I wouldn't even imagine putting blueberry and coffee together and anything. So uh, I, I think that's great imagination, great execution and just that that courage to experiment is also pretty neat too, I reckon. I mean it does also
1: like the cover members help
0: with that. Yeah, so very grateful
1: for
2: and Carwin. Carwin,
0: Carwin, yeah, Carwin
2: are pretty happy to just like let me do whatever. Yeah,
0: Uh, Yeah. are are any of your Coven members actual brewers from around the country that you know of? Well, you don't have to say who they are, but I was just wondering whether they because that's to me, that's where it's pretty cool when your peers are paying money for your beer, not getting free. I think, I think there's maybe a couple. Yeah, nice.
2: You kind of only realize when you look at the you're sending it out and you've got you're typing in their name and then their email address and it's like Uh, whatever and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah."
0: Hey, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um you your beer is brewed to um be shared with good company, um which in my head, means it should be shared with good food too. So, I was just wondering, like you know, we've got all these great flavor combinations that you've been talking about. What what kind of foods are you pairing with these things? Are you are you boring just saying like a you know a wine and cheese board or anything like that, or is there you know maybe the beer to capage? What are you what are you going to eat with that?
2: So you can eat anything.
0: <laughs> KFC uh, <laughs> through that. <Yeah. laughs>
2: like fox in the corn. Everyone used to question why I was serving pasta with amazing beers. Let the and beer it, do the talking. At the end, like these beers have acid in them. So anything fatty, they just work so well. And we did for one of the Coven beers, there was a um, savory sour. So it was a gold with curry leaf. And like that paired so well with curry. Oh, it's delicious.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. other. Nice. Hey, Chelsea, back to you for a second. Obviously the photos that you produce of, of these beers are absolutely beautiful and um, I just want to know, like, is this an absolute joy for you to be working with these these great beers that are romantic? You know, we talked about the storytelling at some stage will come through as well, but it's got to be a lot of fun for you, I reckon. Yeah,
1: yeah, it really is. It, it So I think I'm really excited for when we can actually leave the factory and and maybe do a bit more outside of you know the stock standard shots of like barrels and things yeah yeah it is a joy it really is and it's just it's also a challenge because like working on a brand I'm so used to working on brands that aren't my own and and there's something really easy with that where you can take a step back and look at it you know from a bird's eye view whereas working on a brand that you're so close to is, is there is definitely a challenging element to it but it is a lot of fun and it's like, you know, it's so nice on the weekend just like picking up my camera and being able to shoot, which I wouldn't normally do, especially during lockdown. It's a really nice, um, yeah. It's it's good. I like it. That's
2: cool. It it's good, cool. but it's pretty boring here at the moment because yeah. not <laughs> much is going on. We
1: don't have a lot of new beers at the moment, so yeah, it's there's it not been a lot to shoot, but. We're really holding out for our brew house. We're yep. very yep. excited for our brew house.
2: Pictures <laughs> of me bottling beers is very like repetitive.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you're extremely attack- attractive, Josh. But you know, enough's enough. <laughs> Let, yeah, your have so got loose at the moment, and I can't get the haircut, So <laughs> fair enough. Hey, uh, something we haven't really mentioned much is a major element of what you do, which is the time in barrel part of it. You obviously love oak. What what other barrels? Are you using or what other timber are you using in your barrels? Is there anything or is it just oak?
2: Mainly oak and has been mainly oak from the beginning. Yep. But now there's four bourbon barrels down there. Yep. Um but they're more finishing barrels. So in like in terms of barrels, you've got like old wine barrels that are the home for Brenomyces, so that's where my culture lives in each barrel. And I'll I'll use a Solera method, so I'll pull 70% of the beer out to blend and leave 30% with the yeast, and then I'll top that back up with fresh.
0: Oh, so that just keeps the yeast alive in the barrel. Is that how it works? In the
2: barrel, yeah. Yep. So I use my barrels just as, like, cultures. Yep. Um, I then have fruiting tanks. So – They're the ones that have the doors in the top and in the front so I can just fill them full of raspberries from the top, Yep, um, purge them to the bottom and then flood from the bottom with the beer and then when I pull the beer out, I can open the front door and all the raspberries are easy to get out.
0: Ah, yes, nice. I don't
2: fruit in barrel.
0: No, okay. Yeah, fair enough.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a pain to get out. I clean the barrels at Molly Rose and getting the fruit out of the barrels is very fun.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So I
2: I do have barrels that are bourbon barrels and I kinda want to chase down some other ones, but they're more of a finishing barrel. So I'll get to the get the beer blended to where I want it to be, and then I'll move it into a finishing barrel to pick up a little bit of that bourbon flavor or whiskey flavour.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, I'm trying to sound really, really smart by asking yeah. you this. Um, I want to ask about Amburana barrels because, um, well, I'm not really that smart anyway. But I just loved <laughs> what Brick Lane did recently with their stout in the Amburana. I think it was called the Abyss. The one that I had from from John Selton um, blew my mind with the the complexity of the flavors that came from this different timber. And I've, I've been asking a few people lately that get involved in this whether they've they've used them as, as well. I'd, just wondering—is um, any interest in that? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, win. I win. Yeah. Um, but I'll yeah. be googling. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, Amberona—it's uh, Brazilian timber, and mm. there's a um, like a spirit that they they put into this thing to get these flavors, and the flavors that came out of that stout was all coming from the wood, spices and cinnamon and vanilla and all this. It was yeah. just—it was amazing. I. would I was just really blown away. I'm not. It's not too often that something just makes you think, "Oh fuck! Wow, that beer!" I just. It just. It, it was. I don't want to say like a wanker, but it talked to me, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and yeah. Apparently, it came off from from the timber. So yeah, nice. check it out. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. that
2: sounds right up my alley.
0: Yeah. Well, you're in the same state as John Selton, so jump on the phone, give him a call. He might have a spare <laughs> one he could throw at you to experiment with.
2: Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah,
0: that sounds be cool. delicious. Yeah, no, it was, I, was, I was really impressed So, But I don't know what that would then do to the style of beer that you're making because it, maybe it works really great with a dark beer, but I'm sure mm. you'd, mate, with what you've been talking about here tonight, you'd figure something out. That's what blending's for. True, because it can be a really strong flavour in some way, shape or form, and you can mellow it out or increase it or whatever. That's where your talent lies, mate. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. So... so Tell us, you know, we, we spoke about COVID being pretty fucking shit for the last 18 months or, or thereabouts. Has has it made you change the way you do do business? Has it made you rethink this whole thing in any way? Has it made you change direction or are you sort of still sticking to the plan?
1: I felt very, like, grateful that we've been able to, like, yeah. still sell. Like, I think, yeah, we've realised that our business model is, has been quite good for this situation because we can sell online and we can sell to bottle yeah. shops and yeah, yeah. It's just kegs, stuff that's kind of been yeah disrupted.
2: Right before COVID, I put like four beers into keg that are real cool, but now they're still in keg.
0: <laughs> oh, what do you? What can you do with them?
2: They're just sitting there, ready to go. Oh, the beer will just get better, hopefully.
0: <laughs> oh, Okay, so it'll effectively age in stainless steel.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I'll do like a whiskey barrel aged one, and I'll do a blend of. I made a wine two oh. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and it's delicious. What What was yeah. the wine? What sort of grape were you using in that? Uh, Pinot Grigio. Yeah,
0: huh. and then like you. So is that one of those ones where grigio. you've done like the forty nine percent wine, fifty one percent beer kind of thing?
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah.
0: Huh. And, it, nice. yeah,
2: it's really it's really delicious like natural wine and then blended in with the beer kind of just all pairs really, really well.
0: Right. I'm sure as soon as you guys get out of lockdown, you would put a message on Facebook about that thing being at X pub at this day, at this time, it'll yeah. go pretty quick.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hopefully queued up that when everything opens then we'll be able to get it out. Yeah. But then, yeah, the other kind of focus is that we kind of want to – get to somewhere where we can actually open a good venue with people. So if we're looking at, like, if you've seen our social media posts, we're moving down to the Otways, that's where our house is being built. Okay, yep. That's that's where we're putting in a big orchard down there around our house as well and, yeah, that's kind of the idea of getting the brewery down there as soon as possible.
0: So, you know, we were talking before about what, Van Diemen does banana rely on their farm and all that sort of thing. Is that the plan to maybe go in that direction and grow no. some state ales or brew on the property no. or capture wild yeast from the, your own your own house strain of yeast?
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll do we'll do um, spontaneous beers. That is yep. the aim. But getting to more of um, like the Jester King and having oh. a, a space on a farm and doing, being able to do food and yep. music and serve our beers like – at the moment, we're pretty stuck here. We're we're directly opposite the refinery in uh, Williamstown, so they've limited our license to fifteen people on premise.
0: Ah, oh, fifteen people. What the fuck can you yeah. do with that? Well, I mean, you can the, talk to them. Yeah, you the can good spend thing. a lot of time okay, to. Yeah, true. To yeah, yeah, true. True. Uh, I, I like the idea of uh, recreating a bit of what the Jester King magic is. I that was still one of my favourite episodes on this thing with with Jeffrey. Um, very, very smart man with great ideas. Just an yeah. absolute legend. Space is
2: amazing. Like it, It's going to be cool. Have you seen the Sailor's Grave kind of yeah. direction? Yep. Let's get, like, that's going to be amazing when that's up and running.
0: Man, there are so many great uh, Victorian breweries that are playing in this kind of space at the moment, aren't there?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely a few, and there's a few more on the cards that people seem to reach out and talk about their ideas and ask lots of questions.
0: Is it a uh, is it a is it a collaborative brethren that are uh, getting involved in this space with the wilders? Do you all help each other out?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like Grum helps me out, so I kind of yep. feel I got to right pass it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice.
1: It's a good. It's a good little community.
2: Yeah, it is. It's it is good being able to talk to people and like what we make is very different to clean beers. Yep. So talking about process and kind of everyone working together to improve beers and come up with ideas and, yeah, it's, like,
0: it's really inspiring. You've inspired me. Inspired mm-hmm. me so much that after we finish here, I'm going to go and crack another beer. <laughs> it's been wonderful here tonight, guys. I've, I've, I'm so, I was going to say chuffed, but it makes me sound like such an old 45-year-old man to use that word, but I am chuffed tonight that I'll be able to grab the both of you uh, on here tonight because, in my opinion, uh, the, the pe- partnership going on here you both bring different things to the table to create uh, black arts. And I think it's absolutely wonderful that you're able to find something you're both passionate about that uh, is going so well for you both. So I just wish you all the best for the future. I look forward to seeing what comes out with the uh, the BCD name change or whatever it comes of that and, and, and the next beers that come out because, uh, yeah, this is, this is wonderful stuff that you guys are doing. And I look even more forward to reading the stories that you're going to start producing to tell me about all this magic stuff that you do instead of keeping it to yourselves.
1: Uh, thank you so much.
0: Yeah. But an absolute <laughs> pleasure, guys. Enjoy your evening. Thanks very much. Thanks. Cheers to great beers. Yeah. See ya. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like, or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.